Hello, and welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. We're so excited you decided to join us today. All right, now let's check out a recap of this past Sunday's experience. We hope you are blessed. Jesus said in Matthew 24, that two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay Awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The Lord Jesus Christ is returning, and the end is eventually coming. Genesis, this is the time to pay attention. This is the time to stay vigilant. This is the time to wake up and keep in step with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Keep it tight. Keep it going every day. Make sure it's ongoing. Don't fall asleep. Don't fall away. This is not the time to drift. Do not quit on Christ Jesus or his church like one third did post the pandemic. Our church was double this size pre-2020. People get ready. Jesus is coming. So obviously this series is about end times and I am not here to scare you. I am here to prepare you and to wake you up. So let me encourage you, if you are a believer, you're going to be the one taken away. You'll be the one pull back from that mill or the field. You will have nothing to worry about personally whatsoever. However, what it means is we need to live with an urgency, with an intentionality to bring your family, to bring your friends to Jesus, to get them to plug into his church so that they do not fall away, that they do not drift because this is a big deal. See, this entire series is about God's redemption going after you to the very ends of the earth to snatch you back. So keep that in mind through every single message of this series. And if you know anyone, I'm telling you, if you know someone in your life that does not know Christ, this series, I know it might not look like it. I put freaky eyeballs on the wall, right? But you gotta admit, it's kind of intriguing, right? This series is for them. The series is to bring those kind of people to this kind of message series because Revelation, man, it just, it intrigues people. I get questions all the time, like, what's gonna happen? How's the world gonna end? Is, is it really gonna end? Like, are we living in the end times? I get it from people that do not know the Lord at all. So all you have to do is flip on the news and you can see prophecy being fulfilled all the time. You cannot ignore the decline of our culture in America. You cannot ignore what scripture says, wars and rumors of wars, because every time there's a mess in the world, I get a DM or an email about it or text. Yesterday morning, my phone blew up because a bunch of Muslims in the Gaza Strip attacked Israel and declared war against each other, and Israel declared war against Hamas. Like, it's full-blown, like, war. Like, they blew up, like, buildings and have killed hundreds of people, wounded thousands of people, and taken hundreds of innocent Israelis into captivity. Jesus said in Matthew 24, this is his words, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So it is like a big setup, right? So church, we gotta stay awake. We have to pay attention. You don't freak out, right? You do not have to be alarmed, but you have to pay attention. Pay attention when you see that there's zero accountability for the rule of law, right? Crowds turning on authorities, cities 
almost lauding, smash and grabs, like it's a stealing holiday right now. And protests burning cities to the ground without even waiting to hear what's actually happened just because someone's been accused. China floating balloons over our nation and they don't even shoot it down so it's all the way across. Like, there's so many people invading our border right now that the president who ran on, I will not add an inch to the border, yesterday flipped and said, put up the wall. That's when you know things are bad, right? It, and, it's, and it's all gonna come to an end, but like, listen, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are running against each other for president again, so it might come to an end closer than we think, okay? It may be sooner than later, dear Lord. But Jesus said, nobody knows the day or the hour. Ready? Nobody knows. So what do you do until then? Like, here's, here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna build a foundation and I want you to look at this with hope. Everybody say hope. First Thessalonians chapter four. We're gonna build a foundation and I'm, I'm telling you, if you come into this room and you're like, well, I'm not really a Christian, I'm just here checking this out. Cool, great. Well, I'm not really a church goer. All right. So you will look at what we read today and what we say today, and you're gonna be like, yo, that's a little weird, right? So that's okay. Up front, I'm gonna say, yeah, you're right. What you're gonna read today is weird. Welcome to the series that should have been called Weird Stuff That's About to Go Down in the Near Future, but I could not fit that on the wall, okay? So this is what we're going with. Don't fall asleep, ready? Now, the Bible has all these things called prophecies, okay? So in fact, 20% of your Bible is actually directly or indirectly related to prophecy. Do you realize that? 20%, that's huge. What does that mean? That means scripture, the, the word of God is telling us what is going to happen in the future because God said so. Because God is the one that has ordained this, designed this, and is putting this all together. So the events that we're looking at today when we read this stuff are like, man, that's weird, right? But you gotta think, Old Testament prophecies that didn't talk about the end times that talk, well, they do, but talk more about the, the Messiah coming, the first arrival of Jesus. That was weird too, right? Said that there was going to be God born to a woman who is a virgin. You can't get stranger than that, right? So you have to understand that, like, listen, when he showed up the first time and he started fulfilling 324 prophecies all about himself, even the skeptics can look at that and think, mm, there's gotta be probably a God somewhere, right? So it's kind of amazing. Now, there's a lot of skeptics that actually have been transformed by the oddities of these prophecies. What's crazy is because the way that Jesus came and fulfilled all that he did, we are looking at the end times and there are five times as many prophecies about Jesus' second coming than there was his first. And he fulfilled every one of those. So I'm just saying, pay attention, all right? So this is why we're looking at this. This is why we're gonna study these things over the next few weeks. Now, let me give you some insight to some, some facts, some things that you need to know before we, we straight up dive into all this. There are many interpretations of scripture, okay? Now, some people are gonna believe some things, some believe others. We're not gonna fight over this stuff. Everything I say is right. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but what I'm gonna do is I'm simply gonna give you my interpretation based on 
22 years of study, of college classes, of research, and commentary by biblical scholars, trusted biblical scholars. And you can bet I'm going to stick as close as I possibly can, like so close to scripture, because scripture should interpret scripture, and I'm never gonna go off-roading with Jesus, okay? So you don't have to worry, I'm sticking to the word of God. So today is a foundation day. Everybody say foundation. foundation. Next week, we're gonna talk about what happens after Jesus' return to this earth. What does scripture say? Like, where do we go as Christians? What's heaven gonna be like? How are we judged versus non-believers? Like, so then we'll look at eternity, okay? So that, that's next week. So I'm telling you right now, I'm calling an audible. You saw it when it came in, one day Sunday. If there was ever a time for you to bring your one that does not believe, that does not know God, it is next Sunday. Who is the friend that is not saved? Who is your loved one that has walked away and wants nothing to do with Jesus and his church? Bring that one. I don't care how you have to get them here. Duct tape them to the side of your car. I don't care. They need to be in the seat next to you. One day Sunday, it is a big deal. And then in weeks three and four of the series, what we're gonna do is I'm gonna take you through an overview, right? We're gonna take a survey of the entire book of Revelation from cover to cover, like it's gonna be intense. So I want you guys to go with me on this journey, okay? And today we're gonna begin the beginning of the end, okay? So your job is to not fall asleep today in church, all right? Good. You ready to not fall asleep? All right, stay awake. Here we go. Today, let's start in Thessalonians. All right, so open up your Bibles to Thessalonians. We're going to start in uh, 1 Thessalonians. So let me give you some background as you turn there. These first century Christians, okay, the people that Jesus Christ died, rose again, left all these guys to carry on the work, right? They were so convinced that Jesus was like immediately returning that they knew that he was going to come back at any moment, like maybe Monday or maybe like when they're watching Thursday night football and not paying attention. They knew that Jesus was coming back and they were freaking out because they were like, well, what happens to my relatives and my loved ones that believed in Jesus that they've already died? But they were believers, but they're died. Like they're wondering, are they gonna miss out on all that is to come? So Paul is having to kind of explain things, lay down the law. This is what the word of God says. God was giving him exactly what to say. The words of his mouth are nothing but given to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to explain what he explained, what would happen to those people, the ones that were believers that were already dead before God would return. So we're gonna look at this big chunk of scripture and we're gonna break this down verse by verse because how many people have someone in their life that believe in Jesus Christ that have already passed away from this earth, okay? This explains what is about to go down with them and with you. So let's start there. In 1 Thessalonians 4, we're gonna begin on verse 13. Here's what scripture says. He says, brothers, Paul says, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe Here's the entire essence of Christianity, that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring Jesus or bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we, 
who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, okay? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. And then the dead in, ri- the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That scripture just sends like chills down. Like I can feel all my leg hair. I'm really hairy, right? It takes a lot. Just saying, they're all standing up right now. Now, that's what I want to tell you today is that when we read this scripture, I want you to be encouraged if you are a believer. Like we, we read this and it should give you hope, all right? So I want to encourage you with these truths. There's three main things that I want you to pull out of this so that you might live looking to God to split the skies and that you might live every day with hope. Everybody say hope. Because remember, this entire series is about redemption, about God going after you, doing anything to get a hold of you, to get you in a right relationship so that you will be the one snatched away. Ooh, I love it. Number one thing that you should have hope when you read this is that Christ is coming again. Christ Jesus is showing back up for you and for me. Church Online, Genesis Church Mission Road, let's say it out loud. Christ is coming again. Now say it like you felt when the nose won yesterday, ready? Christ is coming again, woo, right? Everybody like, oh. Chest bumping, chest bumping. And people are like in church, like Christ is coming again. No, 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 no. Dude, get excited. In fact, Jesus himself, he talked about this in John 14. And he said, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. I will come back, period. I will return and take you with me. And so you also may be where I am. Jesus said, I'm coming back. I'm returning. He says, I'll be back, right? That's what he does. I promise you, like Jesus, you know, he tried to make the angels laugh. You don't know if he talks like Schwarzenegger in heaven. Don't be rude. Listen, Jesus is coming back. And so the early church got all excited about this and, and, and they were looking for the return of Christ. And so they actually led their lives by greeting one another with a specific greeting about Jesus's return. So they, like we get super spiritual, right? When we see each other in God's house, we're like, sup, right? But theirs was way better than that, right? So their greeting, they would share Maranatha, right? That means our Lord is coming. Our God is returning. Every time they would see each other, Maranatha, he's coming back. Maranatha, my God's going to come get us. It was this anticipation from these believers, from Christian to Christian, that there's this deep sense, man, that God's about to split the skies. And like them, we too should, to, we should have this need to not fall asleep, to keep looking at the skies, to live with this anticipation. Jesus is coming back. This mess that we're enduring right now on this earth is not all that there is. There is so much hope. And everything that has gone wrong right now, God is going to make right. In fact, scripture says, those of you who long to go to heaven, 
Those of you who long to see Christ's return, there's going to be a literal crown for you in heaven. Why is that? Because the problem is most of us that live in this life, we're so in love with this world that we can't wrap our mind around that we, the return of Christ. Like, we don't long for that. Like, so even notice, like praise and worship songs, like back in the day, they were all about going home, right? If you ever grew up like old school Church of God, I'll fly away, oh glory, or straight up Baptist, they sing that song too. They just don't do with tambourines, right? <laughs> Sorry, I've had three Red Bull and a lot of Jesus and a week of revival and a week of hell. Satan has unleashed everything he's can on me and I'm like, mm, I'm just gonna have a good time up here today. So if I offend you or annoy you, Sorry, you'll be okay, I promise. We'll all endure this. Listen, the problem is, see, we get to this place where we're like, man, I, I just want to live. Like, I, like I, I love my life, I love my family. I get that. Like, there was a point, straight up gonna embarrass myself right now, that I was praying against the return of Christ is when I was six months out, I was a senior in college and I had waited my whole life and I was engaged, you know what I'm saying, right? And I was like, dear Jesus, don't come back right now. <laughs> Lord, just give me one month of marriage and then you can return whenever the heck you want to. <laughs> Sad to say, but that's straight up what I was praying. But Maranatha, man, he's coming back. In fact, this is what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again and we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, what does that mean? When you read this, you're like, is it the guy in the back seat right there that's falling asleep, right? No, that's not what it means. He's not gonna come back and get him. He's he going straight to hell. Just wake that dude up. I'm just kidding. But it's like a poetic way of saying that someone's died, right? What does that mean? Those who have died. As Christians, we don't technically die because forever our soul goes immediately, if you're a believer, into paradise with Jesus. We talked about that last series. So it's a poetic way of saying that their earthly bodies are asleep in Jesus, right? So your soul and your body is gonna be reunited. You're about to get an like, awesome body. I'm gonna be tall. I'm gonna have like an eight pack. I'm gonna do nothing and my knee is not gonna keep blowing out. Listen, for the Lord himself will come down out of heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel. Woo! And the trumpet call of God. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine the blast and everyone freaking out, right? Then the Lord himself shows up and comes down. Remember, God spoke and created the world. And there were times where God will whisper, right? Think about Moses when he's calling from a burning bush or when Elijah was on the outside of the cave and he says, not through the storms, not through the earthquake, what are you doing here, Elijah? Not this time. When Jesus returns, what's going to happen? It's going to be a loud command. The voice of the archangel Michael going to blow some trumpet noise. He's going to be like, -dee -dee! listen, it's going to be awesome. And it is going to signify the greatest victory in the history of the entire world that demands the greatest shouts from God Almighty. The loud trumpet will, will blow. The archangel is going to cry. The Lord is going to shout. And what happens? The dead in Christ will rise first. Can you imagine all the people's eyeballs that aren't believers bugging out when they watch 
zombie apocalypse happen, right? And then whoop, they just start floating up into this. How awesome. So who are the dead in Christ? Well, remember that Paul's talking to Thessalonian believers, right? So he says, hey, your loved ones that are Christ followers who have died, they're gonna go first. Now, this is where some people get confused. So I'm gonna slow my roll and calm down and be very clear. There will be two resurrections, okay? The first resurrection and the second resurrection. First resurrection are for those who are Christians who will be raised from the dead and who are called home. So souls already in paradise, bodies come flying out of the grave, boom, okay? Second resurrection, not for believers. It's known as the resurrection of the dead, the spiritually dead, because they're gonna be judged differently. So we'll talk about that more next week and I'll just leave you hanging and freak you out a little bit. All right, so the Christians are gonna be judged at what's called the Bema seat. Not the Bama seat, the Bema seat. There will be no roll tide in heaven, hallelujah. Only goal, no. So, Jesus be like this. And the people that are at the Bema seat will be judged for their good works they will get rewarded for that. What you do for Christ matters. Everything that you do for somebody in Jesus's name matters to him. And he's got every little bit of it recorded and you will be blessed for every single thing that you've ever done for Christ on this earth, period. Your, your job as a believer is to do anything and everything for Christ and to bring as many people as you possibly can to know him. Now, non-Christians are gonna be judged at what's called the great white throne judgment. You and I, we're not going to be there. The people that were there will be the ones that be, they'll be judged for their works on earth that would not be good enough because works do not get you into heaven. They're going to be judged because their name is not written in God's book, the Lamb's book of life. And so they're gonna be punished eternally. They're gonna be separated from God in that moment and destined to a real place that's called hell. It's just a reality check. But we're talking about here the first resurrection, which is super rad, the resurrection of those who are Christians. Scripture talks about it in Revelation 26 says this, blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. Woo, if you're dead, this is the one you wanna be in, okay? Blessed. And, and, and holy are those that are part of the first resurrection. The Bible says the second death has no power over them. What does that mean? You, you can either be born once and die twice, or you can be born twice and die once. Let that sink in. You can be born once and die twice. Well, what does that mean? Well, you can be born born one time, right? What happens? Your mama screams, she pushes you out, the doctor spanks you, right? And then you're born once, okay? But if you're only born one time, you're gonna die twice. You'll die that physical death and, and at the right, great white throne of judgment, you're gonna die spiritually, okay? So you'll die twice. Now the other option is the good option. If you're born twice, you only die once. What am I saying? Your mama screams, pushes you out, the doctor spanks you, ready? And you're born once. And then Jesus 
has this conversation about this with Nicodemus, right? You can read it in John 3. He says, how can a person be born again? Jesus said, you could be born a second time. And he's like, mm, how's that? Nick said, can we enter back into our mother's room? And then Jesus was like, ooh, gross. And he's like, Nicodemus, no, 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 no. You can be reborn spiritually. You had a physical birth, number one, and now you have a spiritual rebirth. So you choose Jesus, and what happens is you're reborn, brand spanking new. The Bible says the old life is gone and new life has begun. That means you've been forgiven. That means you've been transformed. That means you have been completely made new. All the old stuff is no longer on you, attached to you. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You cannot say YOLO. You only live once. You better say yo do, because you only die once. Boom, hashtag that sucker. So listen, what do we have to hope for? Number one, we hope for that Jesus Christ is going to return because he 100% said for sure, I'm coming back and I'm coming back to get you. Now, the second thing that you gotta hope for is this. We have the rapture. We have the rapture. What is the rapture? I love this. The rapture is when living Christians are taken away. So first the dead in Christ rise, then those that remain. This is where it gets super real, like it's so fun. Like, so it's the living Christians that are taken away. Let's see what the truth of scripture has to say about this. After that, the Bible says, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So again, dead in Christ rise first, then what happens if you are a believer? If you are a follower of Christ and you were just walking around on this or doing your life, all of you who are alive get caught up. If you've ever studied this, the Greek caught up, you know what this means? It's a Greek word. It's called harpazo. Everybody say harpazo. Come on, theologians. Harpazo. I love it. It means to be seized. It means to be snatched. It means to be rescued. What a great word, harpazo. He's going to rescue us. He's going to snatch us up and pull us away. So like you're walking around and you're here at this point and the guy's like, whoop, you're gone. That's what it's going to be like. And scripture says, those who are still alive will be snatched away and you'll be rescued. And so that means you'll be rescued from the scrolls that we'll read later on that are a punishment that kind of look like the old plagues of Egypt, right? You won't endure those. In fact, there are generally three beliefs about the rapture. People believe in three different things and it gets you know, back and forth and people, it doesn't even matter. But here's what they say. You're going to either go pre-tribulation, right? Mid-tribulation or post-tribulation. So pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. Pre-trib would be those believers that believe that Christ is going to rescue us as believers in Christ before the tribulation, before things get bad. Mid-trib believes uh, that Christians will be rescued before the second half of those things are poured out upon the earth that before it gets really, really, really bad, right? And then post-trib means, well, we gotta survive it all, which this theory makes no sense if you just match it up against the scripture that we just read. So my personal belief is I believe in pre-trib because this verse, God in all of his goodness says harpazo, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to snatch you away from all of this. It has nothing to do with you because he is that good and you've been covered with the blood of Christ, and you are holy, and do not need to endure punishment because you haven't done anything except do the right thing by choosing his son. In fact, Jesus describes it in this way. Matthew 24, verse 
39, he says, I want you to pay careful attention to this. Listen, because this is how Jesus says it's gonna happen. It was our opening scripture. This is what it's gonna be like when the coming of the Son of Man happens again. Two men are gonna be in the field, one taken, one left. Two are gonna be grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. Now, don't miss the application of this. He said, so you also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour that you do not expect him. Like a thief in the night, he's gonna just come and get you. So listen, if you're a believer, this is some like really serious stuff that he's returning. Like I'd be listening to trumpets all the time now. Like, listen, <laughs> you're like, that the one? No. Uh, let me put this in context for you in our everyday vernacular. So two people are gonna be sitting at work, typing away on a computer. One is taken and your coworkers left. Or your whole family could be sitting at, down at a meal. Three are taken and the husband remains because he just went to church because you dragged him there. And your teenage daughter who's more obsessed with pronouns than Jesus Christ is left behind with the dad. Or you could literally be sitting in church right now and there's two people sitting right here, right now, side by side. And one has taken it serious and has accepted Christ and has a personal relationship with him. And the other person comes here because it just feels religious and like the thing to do. One's taken, one's left. So you just be ready. You just be prepared. And then he says, be doing the work of the Lord. Scripture tells us that we need to get sold out for him and that we need to be doing what God is calling us to do, get involved with the life of the activity of his church, of what we are supposed to be doing. Listen, we just had a revival. I see in this church you made the effort to show up one, at least one night, and so did Christ. Now, it might have been some bad scheduling on our part, whatever, or for your life, you already had pre-plans. But for most of you, it was likely like, oh, it was 20 minutes, it's so far. Like, I'm serious, y'all. Like, I was super disappointed because I'm telling you, do not fall asleep. Don't come here and practice religion. Religion will not save you. Pursue God with everything that you've got and ask God for everything that he wants for your life. That's relationship. Now is the time to go after Jesus with everything that you are, everything that you got, asking God, give me more of you, Lord, than less of me. Religion will not get you into heaven, but all of you who have Christ, you better get pumped because guess what? Don't slack in your faith at this time. Don't quit meeting. Like Jesus said, don't, don't stop meeting, right? Paul says, don't stop meeting as the church, you gotta keep plugged in to his church because guess what? These are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ who surround you and he will keep you and spur you on and keep you safe and remind you, Maranatha, the Lord is returning. So our hope is, number one, Jesus Christ is coming back. Number two, the rapture is real and it's about to happen and some of y'all are gonna be like flying through the ceiling and it's gonna be pretty rad. The last thing that you need to go, like, how do you get through the metal roof? Just a question. Maybe we're like rockets. The third thing, the last thing I want you to take away from today that should give you like the biggest, like huge boost of hope that you walk out of here and you're like, dude, that was the best message. Not because it's a great message, but because this message is for you and it is full of hope and it should remind you of how much God loves you and he's doing anything and everything to get your attention right now so that you know that you know that you know 
that you're going to be the one that's not left behind. I love this. Number three, there will be a reunion. What's it going to be? A family reunion. Y'all, that's where Pastor Stephanie's at today. Great job, worship team. She's at her family reunion. But you know what? <laughs> it is going to be the coolest family reunion. Think about every person in your life who's ever mattered to you that loved Jesus. We're all going to be with them together. The Bible teaches us that it's something even greater than that, is that we're going to be with God forever face-to-face. What is that family reunion going to look like? Everybody got the matching t-shirts, right? No. He says this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 through 18. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds. What are we going to be doing there? We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Can you imagine that? Face-to-face with Jesus, chilling in the air, like in the clouds, just floating like Air Jordan, right? Listen, that's what we're going to be doing, and we will be with the Lord forever. Let that sink in. How long will forever would Jesus be? Forever, right? The sandlot, right? We'll talk about more of that next week. Eternity, not the sandlot. But I want you to understand what this means. Oh, I'm about to shout. You'll be with the Lord forever. What does that mean? Nothing but goodness, nothing but joy, nothing but excitement and worship and the most amazing things that your mind cannot even comprehend. No more pain, no more sin, no more aggravation, no more heartache, no more disease, no more sickness, no more starving children, no more divorce, no more addictions, no more cancer, no more temptation, no more evil. The only thing we're talking about is living with God in perfect perfectness forever. It's something so amazingly beautiful that your words cannot even put it down on paper. Like You can't even pin this stuff. Maranatha, the Lord is coming back. So what should we be doing in the meantime? If we're living in the end times, guess what? You're in them. Because the end times is this. Every single thing that has happened since the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, that's the end times. Now, are things gonna just continue to get more intense? Yeah. And it's got to until Jesus Christ comes back. Until Jesus harposes us away. So I'll tell you what we need to be doing. As Christians, we need to be doing this. Dig bunkers, get a bunch of guns, go underground, murka. No, 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 no. Y'all, we do not live in fear. Fear does not come from God. Fear is from the author of lies. So we don't live in fear. We should be like anticipation means excitement, right? So we should encourage each other with these words. He's coming back. He's coming back. And bigger than that, you know what it means? Live with some urgency to share his good news. When was the last time you opened up your mouth and had a conversation, maybe even a hard conversation? Someone that just needs to hear the truth with love. When was the last time you brought someone to church? It's not some lame ploy to like fill up seats. It's a reminder that you are to have an urgency to care about people's souls. Man, next week, would you please just get here early? Go treat them to something from the, the cafe. Introduce them to like the normal believers at church. Avoid the weirdos, right? <laughs> That's mostly my family, but listen, work with me. Find the people that you know that won't scare people off and just, dude, get her early. Plan it to like talk to somebody. People go to church 
more because they're looking for friends than they are looking to find Jesus. But when they get here, man, they get both. And if the people of our world knew, they just had an idea of who Jesus is or what heaven is going to be like, they wouldn't love this world so much. And they too would long to go with Jesus and be with him forever. Because two are standing in a field and one is gonna be left. You, Genesis, do not fall asleep. Be Christ-focused. Wake up. Get your one person here on one day Sunday next week. I'm not kidding. I am throwing down a gauntlet like I have never thrown it down. You better pick it up. Next Sunday's message, I promise you, is about salvation. And I promise you, it's gonna be so powerful. Do not let your one miss it. So what's the application? Why do we keep saying, Scott, keeps telling, be Christ-focused, be Christ-focused. What does that mean? Because if I'm a Christian, I still gotta live my life, right? I still got bills to pay. Still got some sick kids. Still got all their activities. I'm like the dad bus, right? So Scott, what do I do with all that stuff? Well, let me close out with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 15. This is what Paul says. And it's a kind of a, a different context, but the same story. And he says this, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we're all gonna be changed. How fast is this going to happen? In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, blink. That's how fast. At the last trumpet, where that trumpet's gonna blow, man. It's gonna sound in the dead of Christ, raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. He goes on to say, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. In other words, when he returns, our physical bodies are going to be transformed into eternal bodies. We're no longer gonna be mortal, right? It's gonna be some sci-fi kind of stuff and we're gonna get to live with him forever. And he goes on to say this, the saying that is written will come true. <laughs> death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. Mm -mm. Then here's where it turns on the application. But thanks be to God for he gives us the victory, not through my religious efforts, not through my own good works, not trying to earn my way to God because you can't, not trying to do good things and stop doing bad things. No, our victory is won through what? The blood through our Lord Jesus Christ from believing that he died and rose again and he is coming back for me. It's all about him. It's all for his glory. It's all for his fame. And here's the application. What do we do with this? Then therefore, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Here's the application. Always give yourselves fully to the what? To the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you're doing matters. Every time you love somebody in Jesus' name, it matters. Every time you share the gospel, it matters. Every time you hug someone with special needs that walks into the door of our church, it matters. Every single time that you go and you teach in a kid's church or, or in, in students, or you do a small group and you love a kid who's living in foster care and you are their mama and their dad on a Sunday, it matters. Every time you serve a cup of coffee and it goes to change someone's life in Asia that you'll never even meet, it matters. What is that you serve him? 
What do we do in the meantime? We praise him. We worship him. We give our tithes because it sustains the work of the church and his mission. We share his love. We give love away, expecting nothing in return. And we live with intensity. We bring others to church. We're excited about the new people who actually bring people. We get back into what we were called to do in the beginning. And we just tell people about Jesus all the time, anywhere, anytime an opportunity pops up, always. If Jesus Christ were coming back two Mondays from now, so the day after one day Sunday, if you had this week, how would you live each day if this is it? How would you live each day? Then that's how you should live always. Not for the lower things of this world. I get you got life. Great. But we should be living for the things that matter the most. And for the one who matters the most. Jesus. (laughs) He is returning. Maranatha. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God, that you loved us so much, God, that you have a plan, Lord, to not leave us here, Lord, but you are going to take us home to be with you forever. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are stirring in our hearts, God, and you're calling up names and faces, Lord, of those that are are missing out, Lord, on knowing you. Lord, whatever you've got to do in our one person's life this week to get a hold of them, Lord, we pray that you do it. It's cataclysmic as it feels to say that, Lord. I get their attention. Let them need to get into relationship with you. And then, Lord, when we open the door and we have the conversation, God, let them say yes. Let them show up. Fill this building next week, Lord, with hundreds of unbelievers. And Lord, when they get here, let them find love. Let them find your compassion. Let them find your grace and your mercy. Let them understand what the cross is really about. Lord, that you died for everybody. This whole world. And you don't want to see one left behind. So Jesus, I pray that next Sunday is the most epic experience that we've ever had together as a family of Jesus Christ in this building. Let it be bigger and better than Easter. (laughs) Let this altar be flooded with people who need to know you and who are surrendering their lives. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Or maybe you know that you are distant and you have been taking this as a joke and God is saying, man, I just want a relationship with you. Young lady, I just want a relationship with you. If that's you, just look up at me today and slip up your hand. I'm gonna pray with you. And today's the day that is gonna change everything. There's one.
Maybe that's you online. Pray the same prayer we're praying in this room and God is gonna come in and change your entire world. If you raise your hand, just say, Jesus, I need you right now. Come into my life. Clean me up. Give me a new start. Forgive me of everything I've ever done. Let me start over right now. I believe you died and you rose again for me. And in this moment, I choose you, Jesus, to be my personal friend and savior for the rest of my life and for all of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, thank you for joining us here at the Genesis Church Podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at 10.31 a.m. on all social media platforms. You can also join us in person every Sunday at 10.31 right here at 4070 Mission Road in Tallahassee. God bless you and have a great day.